Is everybody doing good tonight? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Excited about Jesus. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. The book of Acts chapter 13. We are on chapter 13. Very exciting chapter. Um, a transitional chapter. So who would like to go first with their comments, questions? Not everybody at once. All right. Pastor Aldo. That's good. I like that. Aggression. Hallelujah. Amen. That's good, and that that is that is prophecy being fulfilled. You read in the book of Romans how the 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 Jews had to reject the Savior. If they would not have rejected Him, then you know we wouldn't be able to be saved today. That was all part of God's plan. Glory to God, and He's going to deal with you know continuing to deal with Israel and draw them. But that is very powerful, very wonderful, and that's one of the key points in this chapter which is that there, which you see in the first two um, portions where you find the church initially, it is all Jewish. Then the second portion that we just went through is when you see the church that is, that, that is being dealt with, is, you know, because the church remains, you know, everybody. But you see the initial part being the, churches, the church being predominantly Jewish. Then the second portion we see is the mixture and God, you know, dealing with those scenarios. And then now we see the Apostle Paul who enters into the scene. And when he is in this um, this time here, he's communicating what is going to begin to happen. And it is that now th- there's going to be a great extension of the gospel into the Gentile nations, which is awesome for us. Hallelujah. Amen. It gets better because it says that um, the Jews were stirred up and they, um, you know, because, you know, they, because the Gentiles, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord as many were upon eternal life believed. And then, um, but the Jews stirred up the devout and the prominent women in the city to be men. So they raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them. Um, but then it says that, but they shook off the dust from their feet. Amen. 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 Very good. Who else? 
verse uh, 8 through 14, the witchcraft that is practiced today, even with with uh, different different ways of practicing, chickens being in the attic, goats and whatever and whatnot. And uh, the Latin countries are doing it, practicing this today. And the, it is here over and over and over, sorcerer and so on and so forth, not experiencing the, the main power, which is God power. It's just that there's a blindness on their part not to see that if they want something done, turn to God. No other power is greater than that. Amen. It's good. Very good. Well, in each, I think in, in each of those, in each of the cities that Paul and them visited in this, in this missionary trip here, you know, the, the way that the Jews used to do it was if there was a certain amount of Jews, I can't remember the exact number, but they could form a synagogue. And obviously, remember, as we learn about the Jewish people in their culture, from the time that they are able to read, they're learning the Torah, they're learning the, you know, the Word of God, they're going to synagogue. And what they're doing is they're going in there and they have these services on, a, on, on, on the Sabbath day where they come together and they read from the, the law and they read from the prophets. And then they say, they, they say some prayers in between there, you know, and, and their whole faith. And then they have the exhortation of the Word of God. And they had, in every one of those cities, that's the way it was. So we got to remember, as Pastor Robert's pointing out, when the church is coming, 
coming to life, you know, the, the, the church is being born in, into this environment, you know, in this religious community. They still have the same mindset. You know, that's why you see when Paul writes to the church in Philippi, he's not writing to, you know, 20 different churches, even though there was 20 different house churches that were meeting in Philippi, you know, with people that were there, because obviously you couldn't get everybody into one house. And that's and you, and you even read it in the epistles where he says, you know, have this read before all the churches. In other words, he wants everybody to know about it. But that was their mindset. Their mindset was this is the teaching of the scriptures and we're going to all teach the same thing. We're going to all teach the same doctrine. And that's why they stuck to the apostles doctrine as the church was coming in. And all they did is they, they embraced what they learned when they were, you know, when, when before they were born again. That's exactly how it was. There wasn't, you know, all that. And obviously there were certain divisions because you see the difference between the Pharisees who believed in the law and the prophets and, you know, resurrection and everything. You have the Sadducees that they only believed in the Torah. They didn't believe in the prophets. You know, they didn't believe that, you know, there was a resurrection, afterlife, none of that stuff, angels or anything. You know, so you have that, you know, those little differences there. But for the most part, you have the church that had that mindset. We're going to preach the same gospel. And there was most definitely, I was talking to someone on the phone. I don't remember who it was. But no, I was speaking to one of the one of the therapists and and um, she was saying, you know, is, is it like you guys, you know, she's talking about the churches, you know, she's like, you know, you guys have like competition with each other. You know, you guys are like frenemies and all this and that. And I'm like, you know, and and, and now, mind you, she grew up in church and, you know, she's like, I, I, I it's like she's like, I picture, you know, you guys like coming together and being cool with each other and then talking behind each other's back later on. And I'm like, you know what I said? It ain't. And for me, it was a great opportunity because this is a young lady that was raised um, seven day Adventist, you know, and she is, you know, 100 percent, you know, she has her beliefs, you know, her belief system, so to speak. But it was a great opportunity to share with her, you know, no, I'm actually the president of the Oviedo Ministers Alliance. And my heart is to bring unity within the body, you know, to come together. So all of those things that have divided the church for so long won't be an issue anymore. But, um, you know, people just have those mindsets, you know, they have those thoughts. And it's because, you know, a lot of times people major on the minors, you know, you get up there and you're like going off, you know, about something and you just, you know, major, major divisions over little things, you know, things that if we would sit down and, and, and all it all it takes and I think Pastor Robert said it last week or the week before he's talking about the scripture that says you know let us come together and let's reason together and I think what happens a lot of times is that we're not willing to reason together we're not willing to willing to look at the scriptures and you know look at it from an open mind and say you know what I have my opinion and you may have yours but let's let the scriptures be the defining and determining factor here let's see what the Bible says and if we would do that we would we would eliminate division entirely because there'd be nothing to divide about because the scriptures rightly divided will bring unity and will bring that bond of peace and love that we're supposed to have but we got a lot of work to do amen, amen. all right who who else would like to share I'd like to make a comment. yes He's got like three names, Bar Jesus, Elamas, he's like all over the place, yeah. But yeah. That's why he was able to look straight at him and tell him, you are of the devil, you are not. Um, because once you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're able to identify those things. Versus encountering someone who's got evil and evil spirit about them and say, and run. You know, but right. once you're filled, once you're worshiping, once you're praying, once you're fasting, that's when you are prepared. That's when your inner spirit is ready to deal with people. Amen. 
very. Amen. Well, it's 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 important that what Pastor Anna is saying is it's it is vital to realize first and foremost that they were let they were sent out by the Holy Spirit, and we'll talk about it a little bit more. But if you go down to verse nine, you see where Saul is actually dealing with him directly, and it says, "And Paul being filled with the Spirit." When you look up that word "filled," it literally means to swell. Okay, so this man was there and he was dealing with this situation and something was happening. There was that righteous indignation of the spirit of God that was burning inside of the apostle. It just the same way that we'll see in a couple of chapters when he deals with this sorcery, that this girl that's going to say that they're these great men of God and all this and that. But the thing is, it is it is so vitally important. You know, Pastor Aldo was, you know, making a little joke back there. But reality is you cannot just tell folks off in the flesh, man. It has got to be the spirit of God that is stirring up inside of you if there's going to be fruit to it, you know, either repentance or in this case we see judgment. But it's, it is of the utmost importance that we understand that we have got to be not just filled with the spirit one day on an altar, but continually filled with the spirit, continually basking in the presence of the Lord and allowing the spirit of God to fill us. And then in those moments when the Holy Spirit begins to move, begins to lead us we need to follow those leadings because that will increase the manifestation of his presence and it makes us more sensitive to him in reality because what we're doing is we are not quenching the spirit but we're allowing the spirit to have his way and so very very important that we understand that amen all right anybody else pastor Right. And it's amazing how he, throughout all this, throughout all this, he didn't leave anything out, but he let him know that if you make your decision today, I will be your father. You will be my son, and you will not see corruption. What a better way to present salvation. Amen. That is awesome. Very good. Anybody else? All right. I'm not going to pull your teeth anymore. <laughs> I will start my dissertation here of the scriptures. All right, reading from verse 25 here on chapter 12. <clears throat> Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. And so we know that they went, they, t they, they took the, the supplies over there that they were sent after the prophetic word about the famine. They did their job when they were in Jerusalem. They met John Mark. Well, not met him, but Paul, um, Paul probably met him. He was Barnabas' cousin. And they take him along and they say, okay, you know what? This guy has some potential for ministry. You're going to come with us. We're going to, you know, develop you. And I'm, I'm going to show you how they developed him. Glory to God. In verse 13, it said, I mean, in, in verse 1, in chapter 13, it says, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simon, who was named Niger, Lysias of Cyrene, Manane, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. 
As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. And so this, I, I, wanna, I want us to look at this because this is the ultimate way that we should be as a church in seeking the will and the direction of God. This, this is the, the, the perfect example of the way things are supposed to happen in a perfect church world. Glory to God. This is exactly what is supposed to happen. Pastor Robert and I were talking and, um, and I, and I, I think someone, I know someone came to him and asked him, you know, how do you leave a church correctly? And, and I was like, well, and he, you know, answered them or whatever the case was. And really, to be honest with you, the Bible doesn't talk about leaving church. You know why? Because you ain't supposed to be leaving churches. And I know people don't want to hear that, but it's the truth. You know, you you shouldn't be church hopping, church shopping and bouncing all over that. that you should not be doing that. OK, you should not be up in the church, get offended. And, I, you know, I'm going to leave or, you know, and most people, they don't get it. They don't leave the first time they get offended. They usually don't say anything about their offense. And then they get offended a few more times. And then once they can't handle the offense anymore, what do they do? All right. I'll see you later because my season. My time is up. Yes, because you're choked up because you're bitter and you're upset. And we can laugh about it because it is just the truth. Ninety percent of people who do that. I, I've sat, and listen, I've had countless of occasions, OK, unfortunately, to sit down with people, not just here, but when I was youth pastor in the other church and talk to folks and, you know, all that kind of stuff and sit down and discuss with them. And over here, I've had a little bit more wisdom in my in my question asking, you know, over there. I was just, you know, this is what the Lord is showing me, man. Here's what's up. You know, you're this, this and that and blah, 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 you know, and then whatever. But over here, you know, I've learned, you know, you got to ask some questions. And so, you know, you start talking to folks, you start asking them, well, you know what, you know, what's up with, you know, what's the, what's the motive for all of this? You know, the, is it the Holy Spirit that's, you know, motivating you? And they'll be like, yes, it's the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, okay, well, how is he motivating you? And then they go through all of these natural circumstances through which the Holy Spirit is motivating them. And I'm like, okay, so you're showing me emotional motivation. You're showing me natural and carnal motivation. And you're saying this is the Holy Ghost. All right, let me tell you something. That's not what I see in the scriptures. And so the point is, I can't tell you anything except what is in the Bible. And here's what, what, what I know is that I read something on a blog somewhere and it says that church should be enjoyed and not tolerated. Hallelujah. I think that is a great statement, okay? Church should be enjoyed. It should not be tolerated. It should be something that is celebrated, something that you're excited about, something that you want to be part of. And so it is important for me that anybody that is part of Faith Dome, part of any church, that you enjoy being part of the ministry, that you love the church, that you want to be part of it, because if you're not, you're going to be unproductive. Hallelujah. So when we talk about the leaving perspective, here's what I see about leaving a church. When I look here, what we find is, first of all, there were no natural circumstances that were causing them to think, well, maybe it's our time to go. Nothing natural was occurring. Nobody was bothering nobody. Nobody didn't do something the way they liked it. It wasn't nothing like that. What happened was they were sitting here. They were in prayer. They were seeking the face of the Lord. What does the Bible say? The Bible says they were ministering. And that word ministering, it literally means in a Levitical sense, in a priestly sense. And so you're getting a, a picture of what they did in the Old Testament. We know that the priests in the Old Testament, they killed these, you know, the animals and sacrifices. They kept the incense burning before the presence of the 
Lord? Well, obviously, we know that this is the church. This is the church after the cross. And so it being that it's a church after the cross, we know they weren't sacrificing animals. We know that they weren't burning incense necessarily. They weren't doing anything like that. But they were ministering unto the Lord. They were just basking in his presence, seeking his face. And really, that's what it means. It means that they were just praying. They were seeking him. They were going after him. They were, they were coming together and not just casually, but purposefully to seek him and to find him and just, you know, be filled with his presence. And in that moment, the Bible says this. It says it's amazing because it doesn't say which one of these five people was the one who we spoke through. He says like this, the Holy Spirit said. It doesn't even say, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to say this because, you know, we're very adamant, glory to God, about not adding to the scriptures or taking away from the scriptures, right? That's what, that's what we want to do here, right? In, in faith, dome, amen, Pastor Robert, amen. We want, we want to keep what this text says, right? So in reality, I can, I could believe, and, and I wouldn't be wrong because I'm not taking away, nor am I adding. I could believe that they were in prayer and the voice of the Lord came forth and said, separate Paul and Barnabas for what I want to do. I could say that because this the text doesn't say that someone was the mouthpiece it says the holy spirit said the holy spirit spoke and when the holy spirit spoke they heard the word of the lord and they continued to pray they continued in their fast they didn't just stop and get up and run nope they continued praying saying god thank you for showing your direction now, i'm adding that because i didn't say they said that but i'm letting you know i'm pretty sure you know i'm thinking when i experience the holy ghost i usually fall before his presence and bawling and thank you father and so i'm sure something like that happened and then we know that they finished their fasting they're praying and then they did what they laid hands on them and they sent them out they said, now go. So this, they, they, they were sent out of the church with a purpose. They were sent out of a church under the inspiration and direction of the Holy Spirit to do what? To go forward and minister, to go forward and do something great. And see, here's one thing that I will say about the whole church leaving deal. When you leave a church, don't just leave a church to go sit in another church. Listen, 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 listen. If you're going to leave Faith Dome, glory to God. Make sure that you take all of the teaching, all of everything that you have received in this ministry and that you are built up and that wherever you go, that you are going to go over there and you're not just going to sit down and warm a seat and just, no, but that you're going to go over there and be a productive member of that body. Amen? So we got to make sure that we're going to do that, that we're not just going to just sit over here, sit over there, whatever the case is. So we find this wonderful situation. How important, how important, and I want you to know, Faith Dome provides plenty of opportunities for the Holy Spirit to speak. Amen? Amen? Let me tell you when one of those opportunities is. One of those opportunities is Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Praise the, praise the name of the Lord. We have a time where we get together and we pray. And, and it's usually very few of us that are here at 9, glory to God. And as the hour moves on, so more people show up and more people show up. But here's what I'm saying. That if we really want the direction of God, we're going to have to put our alarm clock on. Hallelujah. I, I know we don't want to hear this, but this needs to be said. Put our alarm clock on a little bit earlier for what? So we could be in the house of the Lord doing what? Ministering unto the Father, seeking his face. Separate that time in fasting where you just get up that morning. You know, you wake up bright and early, you know, take you a nice shower and just go into your prayer closet, seeking the face of God. Come to church early and begin to seek his face. Minister unto God. And, and not just alone, because I want you to know, you got to notice this. They weren't, this didn't happen because Saul was over here praying. Barnabas was over there praying. They didn't come together and say, well, I was praying and the Lord spoke. That isn't what happened. 
The scripture says that they were together in corporate prayer and fasting, ministering unto the Lord. And it was at that moment that God spoke unto them. And so I invite you to come out and invite the presence of the Lord to speak unto us so we can hear him and we can do the things that God has called us to do. Because I don't think that God just wants to speak to us about sending people. He wants to speak to us about things he's called us to do. Speak to us. I can tell you of, of plenty of testimonies when I was before I became a youth pastor. I remember sitting in a prayer meeting and we had an area that was similar to that and I was praying right there next to where Pastor Vanessa is and as I was in that time of prayer the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said you're going to be a pastor and I was like wow and this was like two years before I ever you know became the youth pastor in the church and so what I'm telling you is I was simply being available Holy Ghost is speaking glorious and wonderful time but it, you know those things are up to us to make we got we, we've got to make it a priority to be in the house of the Lord and if we really want see because we, we look at this and the whole purpose of us going through the book of Acts is not just so you can get some education on the history of the church, but it is to motivate and to stir you up to go after God more and to believe that what is in the scriptures can manifest in our lives and in our days if we would just be available like these people were. And so I encourage you, nine o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning is a great time. We also have the time that we pray here on Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights we get together and right now because we're doing the Bible studies, you know, we let you go ahead and read because I know you guys are so in-depth reading all week. Um, and sometimes you just forget some stuff, glory to God. So you want to come, we want to give you an opportunity to refresh yourself, hallelujah, so you can be able to contribute to the classes, hallelujah. And um, anyway, we, we want to make sure you have that. So from 7.15 to 7.30, we allow you to do that. But then 7, 7, 7.30, take petitions, and then we have that time of prayer again where we're ministering unto the Lord and seeking Him and allowing God to speak if He wants to speak. And so we need to do that, make that a priority. Amen? All right. So moving on. So they, they're sent out by the Holy Spirit's direction. They prayed. They fasted. Everybody's in agreement with what the spirit of God is saying. Verse four tells us. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they were they went down to Seleucia uh, to Seleucia. And from there they sailed to Cyprus. So this is Paul's first missionary trip. And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, which Pastor Robert was pointing out. They preached in more than one place. They were preaching everywhere that there was a synagogue, that there was a gathering together of the Jewish people. They also had John as their assistant. Remember I said they brought him along? They brought him as their assistant. That word assistant there simply means servant. Hallelujah. You want to you want to you want to be prepared for ministry? Get ready to serve. And I want you to notice whose assistant they were. I, we, we, we need to be crystal clear on that. He was their assistant. He wasn't just an, just an assistant. He was their assistant. In other words, if they were telling, hey, man, we need you to go ahead and, you know, serve this. We need you to go and do that. We need you to go and, you know, go at, you know, midnight to go to this house call, whatever. They This brother had to be on it. That's probably the reason why he left later on. But anyway, <laughs> there were that, that's, that's just a conclusion. But the reality is the Bible shows us that he was their assistant. He was there to help them with ministry. He wasn't there to build his own ministry. He was there to be built up for ministry. That's what happens. And we know that he did get built up. He didn't do a great job here. And we'll see later on again how the Apostle Paul feels like he's not ready to go with them again. But later on in one of the epistles, the Apostle says, send for me, Mark, because he's useful to me for ministry. So obviously there's some maturity that takes place, but they take him out. They're getting him ready for ministry. It goes on in verse 6. It says, Now when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. 
<clears throat> who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. So this proconsul, he was a governor in the in, in, in the Roman government. He was appointed as as a governor there. This is an educated man, and this man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. And so he goes, and something is stirring inside of him. Something is 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 drawing him, and, and we know what that something is. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is you know pricking him and calling, saying, so, you know, bring these people over here that are over here preaching all over the place. They're already you know here about it and so he wants to hear from them but remember he's got this other guy and, and and this other character is very important in the story because remember he is a jew okay he is not just anybody he is not a greek he is a jew and you got to remember this that salvation is of the jews this is what jesus says this is what he communicates to the woman at the at the well he says salvation is of the jews remember when i preached the message i taught he said clearly he said we worship what we know you don't you, you don't know what you worship and so this guy right here this sorcerer is supposed to know what the scriptures talk about he's supposed to know that real power and what he's doing is he's going ahead and he is deciding you know what i found a way to impress folks i found a way to get people's attention and so what does he do he gets involved in this sorcery stuff because you know you can do all of these you know fancy things or whatever the case is intimidate people and scare people and that's the biggest reason for witchcraft anyway is to intimidate to dominate or to manipulate and so those are the things that he's doing so right now guess who he's next to he's like the right hand man to the pro council you know what it said remember what it said about him it said he was a false prophet so what does that mean? That means that he's in the, he's in the pro-council's ear saying, oh, you know, God is going to do this. And, you know, I, I had this revelation. I got this divination. And he got all of this stuff going on. So he's got this man in his pocket. So what, you know, what do you think is going to happen? This pro-council, he needs this guy. He needs him because that's his connection to divinity, according to their relationship. But God is wanting to deliver this guy and, and show him, listen, you don't need this false prophet. You don't need this character that's a liar. You need the true God. You need the living God. God to manifest within your life. And so he goes on ahead and he brings Paul and Barnabas. And verse 8 tells us, but Elimas, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them. In other words, they're, as they're preaching the word of God, as they're communicating the truth to the proconsul who is getting this one-on-one -on -one evangelistic message preached to him, what are they doing? They rise up, or he rises up, and he's, he's questioning everything. Remember again, he's a Jew, so he knows the scriptures enough to pervert them, which is exactly what the devil does. He knows just enough of the Bible to confuse you. So what is he doing? He's every time that they're throwing something and they're, and they're speaking something to the proconsul. What does he do? He's resisting them. He's he's blaspheming what they're saying. He's he's not honoring what God is trying to communicate. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, "Oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, son of the devil." enemy of all unrighteousness will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord now notice he points out that this guy is perverting the straight ways of the Lord he's saying look you are communicating to this guy and you are leading him astray you are communicating to him enough truth to get him to be with you but you're distorting all these other things and he's saying you're a son of the devil and so now I, you know I need you to shut up because I need to communicate with this person and it's not for me it is not for my glory it is for the glory of God that he's that he communicates this Paul is not going to say all of this stuff because it's just him he doesn't just decide you know what you know and because a lot of folks think you know they say some craziness you know you just go and just speak whatever curse you want to speak and it's cursed no 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 the Holy Spirit was there 
And when that when the Holy Spirit manifested and filled Paul, Paul opens up his mouth, um, rebukes him first. And in verse 11, he says, and now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you. And you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he was, and he he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. And and you got to look at this for the symbolism that is there. This is the Jewish person, and that blindness that is coming over him is also symbolic of what is happening to the Jewish people at this moment that are rejecting the Messiah. They are blinded. They are, they are they are they are not receiving the full revelation because they are bound not in witchcraft but they're bound in their own religious thinking they are bound in their own mindsets and so we have him who he's he's here he's he's the man in the beginning of this whole thing and then he's walking around asking for someone to lead him he's trying to find someone who can help him out and so what what happens is now that he that that they this this whole thing has <laughs> no i know right everybody want to want to be around him and afraid of him now he's like, can someone please lead me someone please help me so verse 12 then the proconsul now he's got all of his attention the holy ghost did something great when he saw what had been done be, being astonished at the teaching of the lord he had he, he had he believed so now we see this man who was led by the spirit to call barnabas and paul brings barnabas barnabas and paul to him barnabas and paul begin to communicate the truth this miracle manifests because this is a miracle and how do you how you look at it this is a miracle of judgment that comes upon this man and it is to do what is it to blow up you know paul's ego and barnabas's ego no it is to bring salvation to this other person. And we got to remember that whenever the power of God is manifesting, it is not for our glory. It is for the glory of God. And it should be to draw souls and to draw people unto Christ. So it communicates this here. Now, I want to point out something because you have here in verse nine, it says, then Saul, who also is called Paul. Now, there is this difference in the, in the two things here in, in, in the two names. It's the same name. It's just in different languages. The name Saul is his Hebrew name. That's the Hebrew translation of his name. The name Paul is, his, is the Roman Greek translation of his name, right? Why is this important? Because of who Paul is. Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. So he is going to refer to himself in, in all of his epistles, not as Saul, but as the apostle Paul, because he is communicating to the Gentiles. So he wants them to not, he doesn't want to remind them of the Jewish part. He wants to keep them focused on the translation of his name in the Gentile language. So that's what's important there for us to understand as far as that whole transition that is now taking place. Verse 13. Now, when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia and John departing from them returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. Now we see that John left. We don't know. And there, there's if you read commentaries, you're going to find like list of things that could have been. Maybe this is why. But there is no real reason that is given that we have as to why John left them. But they did. So they went there in Antioch, Pisidia. They said that they, they went to the same on the Sabbath day to the to the to the synagogue. And after the reading of the law. And the prophets, remember, there's the order of their service. They read from the law. They, they say their prayers. They read from the prophets. Now, notice who speaks up. The rulers of the synagogue sent to them, saying, men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. So notice, Paul and them didn't just get up and just start opening their mouth and, you know, making a scene. That isn't what happened. They were called on specifically by the people who were in authority. The, the leaders said, OK, you know what, you guys, we want you to go ahead. If you have something to share, please share it with us. Verse 16. 
Then Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, men of Israel and you who fear God, listen, the God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he brought them out of it. Now, for a time of about 40 years, <clears throat> he put up with their ways in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he, distrib he distributed their land to them by allotment. After they gave them after, after that, he gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel, the prophet. And afterward, they asked for a king. So God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all of my will. From this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a savior, Jesus. After John had first preached before his coming, the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, who do you think I am? I am not he, but behold, there comes one after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God to you, the word of this salvation has been sent for those who dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers because they did not know him nor even the voices of the prophets which are read every Sabbath have have fulfilled them in condemning him I want you to just notice here he said these people who are the rulers they're, they're, they're not just anybody they're supposed to be the experts in the law they read these laws every Saturday when they come together and he's saying you can read look I put it to you like this you could read this Bible and know it inside and out and not know God nor know no nor know the voice of the prophets and when he's talking about the voice of the prophets what is the voice of the prophets the voice of the prophets is the spirit of god they did not know the spirit of god they were they were experts in all that is you know stuff that they knew but they did not know that voice of god that would have shown them wait a second this is the messiah because some people got the revelation but they missed it so he goes on and he says and though they found no cause for death in him they asked Pilate that he should be put to death now, when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. He was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are who are his witnesses to the people. And we declare to you glad tidings. I'm bringing you a good message. I'm bringing you good news here. I know all of this may sound bad because he's breaking it down. He's going from Genesis all the way to present day. That's what he did. He went from Genesis to present day. And that took me like three minutes to do it. And he precisely, just like Pastor said, he went through and he just brought it home. And he said, now I'm bringing you good news. I have a good message of salvation for you. He says, God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he raised up Jesus. As it is also written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And that he raised him up from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken thus, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Therefore, he also says in another Psalm, you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. And he goes on to break down for them that David is not the one who this Psalm is talking about, if there was any confusion on that. For David, 
David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up saw no corruption. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. So he's breaking. He's saying, look, guys, there's forgiveness of sins in this Christ. There is forgiveness of sin and you can try to keep the law all day. But, you know, and because they know this, they know that there are some things that cannot justify them. That's the reason why every year they have the Day of Atonement, because no matter what they do, they got to continually be reminded of their sins that they cannot get rid of and that they're going to continue to break the laws of God. Verse 40, he gives them a warning. Beware, therefore lest what has been spoken and the prophets come upon you. Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to you. So it's wonderful because the Apostle Paul very eloquently, he brings them, you know, he kind of like builds them up and shows them, look at all of this wonderful stuff. And then he just rebukes them and says, listen, don't let this, don't let this come, come to pass on you. Don't let you be these despisers. Don't let you be these people who are these blasphemers. Don't be that. Verse 42, he says, so when, so when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now, when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. Now, look, this this shows you how important it is for us to know what we are talking about. When we know what we're talking about and we are anointed to speak that word and people ask us questions, you want to know what? I'm not saying that the whole city is going to come to you. But what I am going to say is that when issues arise, folks are going to come to you. They're, 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 going to, they're going to know where to get the words of life from because they are in us. It is so important for us to know the scriptures, for us to know what to say in those moments that comes from the word of God. You're not going to have every answer. I'm not going to have every answer, but we've got to know the scriptures. We've got to know what we're talking about. We got to know what we believe. That's why the apostle Paul tells us that we got to be ready in season and out of season to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. We got to be prepared at all times to communicate that. And so very important because what happens a week later, it wasn't a month later. It wasn't some big campaign, glory to God. It wasn't anything like that. These Gentiles were stirred. They were hearing the word of God, and they were telling everybody, yo, this, these guys were breaking it down for us. These guys helped us to see something, and they got something great to say. And the Bible teaches us the, the results of that. The presence of God was moving. And verse 45, it shows us. Now, this is something you got to fear, too, because you're not fear, but you need to be aware of. Don't be afraid of it. Just continue to do what God has called you to do. But when the Jews, these were the leaders there. They were the leaders of this synagogue. They were the ones that brought this thing together. When they saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. So this great time they had the Saturday before, just a wonderful time. Jews were hearing it and they were like, yeah, we can't say nothing to that. They come together and it wasn't it wasn't that they said anything in error. It wasn't that they did anything that was wrong. It was simply because they drew a bigger crowd than the Jews were able to draw. Yep. Because you got to notice that in, in this synagogue, there were 
converts to Judaism. That's what a proselyte is. It's a person who decides that they're not Jewish by birth. So they decide, I want to become, you know, a, a, a believer in Jehovah God. I'm going to be circumcised and I become part of this synagogue. I'm going to live, you know, a kosher life. That, that's it. They were going to do. That's what these people were. So they had had some success. They were, they, you know, this, this thing of evangelism, this isn't something that is necessarily new to us, the church. This is something that was being communicated always. This is something that was natural. So they were out there. They were bringing some of the Gentiles, but they couldn't get the whole city. But these people came up in here, preached this message, and all of a sudden, the whole city shows up. These people are filled with this envy. And what do they do? They start contradicting. Now they start nitpicking. They start finding everything that's wrong with what they're saying. They start blaspheming. They start saying those things are not true because they're trying to keep themselves as being these wonderful and great leaders. So they oppose the things spoken by Paul in verse 46. It says, then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of ever. I love that that portion right there because you I don't judge you unworthy. You judge it when someone rejects the word of God that you are bringing to them. When someone rejects the biblical counsel you are bringing to them, when someone rejects those things, don't get offended. Don't don't take it personal in that sense, you know, where you're bothered. No, because they are judging themselves unworthy of the counsel that God is trying to bring to them. Very important. And so he says, you judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us. I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. And so now we're beginning to see the whole transition uh, on the greater level of Paul's ministry. Now he's going to be that apostle and teacher of the Gentiles that he's called to be. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life, believed. Now, they, I want to pause here because I, I don't want to leave this without touching on that because that right there is a powerful, powerful statement. It says, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believe. Now, what I don't want us to do is I don't want us to add or take away again. I want us to take what the scriptures are saying here, because I can guarantee you that not every single person that was standing there got saved that day. Not every single person that was in that place got saved that day. But the people who were supposed to be saved that day, those are the people who were saved, okay? So when it's talking about those who were appointed, it's not saying that nobody else was going to be saved. It was saying that day, right there, this, this is what we're talking about. Those people who were there at that moment, there were certain people that were appointed to be saved, and that's, that's all that was going to happen. We could sit here and we see it in churches all the time. I mean, I, I, I preach messages and... I'm looking at people and I mean, I, I've seen folks crying I, and I'm like, this one's going to get saved today. Glory to God. And you know what? Do an altar call. They don't raise their hand for nothing. I could do it 10 different ways. And they just that, that, that just wasn't the day that they were going to, you know, receive that salvation. And then another day I'm, you know, preaching or whatever the case is. I don't see no one crying. I'm seeing people yawning. I'm like, glory to God. Let me hurry up and finish. I'm going to leave point three out. And I, and then I do an altar call. Everybody's hands are going up. Glory to God. And those lives are the ones that are doing it. And you know what? It's all about God. It's not about me or anybody else. So, you know, the bottom line is, you know, it's 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 a time of appointment. There There, there is an appointment. And, and, and I love the word appointed because it brings us to that word appointment. 
And there are divine appointments that people have. And what we've got to be able to do is we've got to be able to love people and bring them to those appointments to the best of our ability. It may not be the first time you talk to them. It may not be the tenth time you talk to them. As you go through becoming a contagious Christian, the average is a person hears the gospel seven times before they give their life to Christ. And so ultimately, it's important for us to realize that. But I don't want you to get, you know, crazy. Oh, you know, that's it. That, no, 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 no. It's talking about this day here. That's what it's communicating. You're not saying anything else. We can't, we can't read anything else into it or move anything we can just say that god had a divine appointment with some folks and they were the ones who did what gave their life to jesus amen verse 49 and the word of the lord was being spread throughout all the regions so we see that even in this persecution even in this uh, opposition the word of god cannot be hindered remember always that when we see these type of things happening this opposition and these persecutions those things never hinder the word of god so whenever we're going through difficulty in our life don't let the word of god be hindered in our lives don't let the evangelization of those who do not know god be hindered in our lives we should be moving forward in what in the fullness of what God wants, never holding back because they didn't. What did, what did the apostle do? The apostle said, okay, y'all don't want to hear it. They, they, they did an about face. That's all they did. They, they, they said, okay, he says it. He says, you know what? You rejected it. It had to be preached to you first because salvation is to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Makes it clear. And he says, so you know what? You don't want to hear it. I'm, I'm going to go preach to this group over here. I need to come to them anyway. So he goes and he starts to preach to them and communicates the gospel to them. The word of God begins to spread throughout that region, not just through the apostles, but also through the the people who were giving their life to Christ, obviously, but the Jews stirred up the devout, prominent women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. And verse 52 says, and the disciples were filled with gloom and sadness. No. <laughs> I see. I, I like to see if y'all are watching now. Glory to God. That was good, right? They were filled with joy. They were, they look, they, they're going through hardship. Persecution is rising up and they're filled with joy. They're filled with the Holy Ghost. That is the sign of a true disciple. It is when you are going through those difficult times. My father always, um, you know, gives me this, this, or gave me this illustration one time. And he said, you know, if you grab a sponge and you squeeze it, that's when you find out what's really in it. And it's the same thing in a Christian. <laughs> you, you, you let a Christian be squeezed and you know what? You're going to find out what's really in them. You, you, you'll see them curse words flying. Glory to God. Uh huh. Those, those difficult situations, you find out what's really going on. If praises are rising up or what, what's coming out of you in those difficult times, there's got to be the joy of the Lord and the filling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes. That was, that was monumental because of the fact that I don't think there's anywhere else in the scripture where um, in the New Testament where you have someone um, pass judgment on not even an Ananias and Sapphira situation because the Bible says that Peter was speaking these words to them and he fell. He didn't, he didn't call nothing right. down, but Paul actually said to him, this is what's going right. to happen to you. Right. I don't think you see that anymore um, in scripture. I could be wrong, but when I... Right. Um, and also, you know, with the leaving the church thing, it's totally against everything that God teaches. You know, it's it's totally against because, it, you know, um, who is that that said we're, this, we're not an uh, organization, we're an organism, right? Bassanino so, said that. Okay, so we're an organism. So why 
would I take something away from my body that I need? I can't take my heart out. I can't take my brain out. I need, I need every member. So why would I say, you know, uh, go over there because they're missing members? No, because God is equipping that part of the body too. So why would he subtract from this part of the body to fill another part of the body? Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and if someone is here, you know I mean, beautiful or, you know, go be productive <laughs> somewhere else. But the thing is, if you were being productive here, you wouldn't go nowhere else. You right. know what I'm saying? If you've been productive right. here in the first place, you wouldn't want to go nowhere else. Right. You'd, be, you'd be too op- preoccupied with doing something that you wouldn't worry about going nowhere else. Amen. Right? No, no, praise the Lord. Hey, you know what? I'm good. You know, I, 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 let, I, let, I, let, I let him say that. That's good. You know, and, and, and it's and, and it's the truth. You know, I just my, my point is that if you're going to if you're going to leave a church, you don't you don't leave a church to just go sit somewhere. You leave a church with a purpose, with a mandate. You know, you leave a church, uh, you know, you're going to be a missionary or something. You know, you leave a church sent out by the Holy Ghost to go and, you know, minister or do something, you know, the right way. And so absolutely 110 percent. And I agree. Look, I, I was I was telling someone the other day. I don't know who it was. I probably told it to my wife for sure. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. But anyway, I said, you know, I could I could easily just be the most bitter Christian on the planet. You know why? Because, you know, I don't ever get phone calls. Bishop, how you doing, brother? God bless you. You know, what's going on? Now, listen, but you want to know something? Now, now, look, now, look, now, look, uh, uh, Pastor Louis, let me say this. Pastor Louis, he's always like, you know, Bishop, I love you, you know, stuff like that, you know, and everybody else tells me they love me and stuff. So I'm not complaining. What I'm saying is this. I don't think about that stuff because I am so busy doing the work of the Lord that I ain't waiting to see, well, who's going to call me? You know, Uh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, whatever, whatever. There's a reason for that. No, no, no. Okay, but but here's 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 the reality. The reality is that if you think about it, you know, I don't I don't have those things. And you have people that leave churches because they don't get phone calls because no one loves them. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm thinking. And, and I just one day I had this epiphany, and I'm like, man, I could easily think, don't nobody love me? Don't nobody care? Don't I, I could? I, it, it would be simple to do that. But I realize that the component, the component that you know, because first of all, it is ignorant to say that nobody loves me. That is. Just just, just stupid, okay? To you know, to think that. And so, if I offended anybody, please, you know, I, I know that you guys love me. I love you, and that's 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 just how it is. We're Christians. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, that's not that's not an issue for me. I'm just making a point, which is the the greatest component that I see within people. The people that sit back and nitpick and talk the most are the ones who do the least. They're the ones who are not doing anything. All they're doing is sitting back, nitpicking and taking it. That's all they're doing. So the point is, of course, listen, I want you to know something. You ain't got to sit back, nitpick. You ain't got to dig deep. Let me tell you something. We are an imperfect church. And if you stick around long enough, you're going to get glimpses of where we're imperfect and where we need to get better. It is going to happen. And you know what? Anywhere you go, you're going to find the same thing. So the point of the matter is what we've got to do is we got to be committed to loving God, committed to growing together, committed to reaching others and committed to serving. If we'll commit to that, trust me, we will be the happiest church on the planet. Amen. Amen. All right. Glory to God. I love you, too. Let's all stand to our feet and get our tithes and offering ready. Do not forget. This is.